today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, is not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of the man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles. We are by ourselves this evening. Like, the old times, just Dave, myself. The mustache cam. The mustache, oh, remember the mustache cam? Yeah, I remember the mustache cam. And a bottle of whiskey. Uh, yeah, that was hilarious. No one is going to know anything about that, but... It's a deep track. It's a deep track. <laughs> Somebody out there, I think, probably knows about the mustache cam. Yeah, possibly so. When we first, when we first got... The ability to have more than one camera. We were still using uh, webcams. I think we actually had the same camera. You just zoomed in on one cam. Ooh, could be. I You're think, right. I think you like did one of those virtual loot or virtual. Well, uh, no, we had software to like do something. Yeah. And I like yeah zoomed in, and I had a mustache at the time, and so I decided to, <laughs> to add Without a, telling a mustache any, cam, telling anybody to have a mustache cam, and it just zoomed in. On the mustache. Look at that caterpillar. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great to do one time. It's like one of those things like the second time, it's like, all right, that's, that's enough. That, that's, that's too much. Cut really. it out. Yeah. We just got back from uh, a trip to Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was great. It was awesome. They put together, I've been talking about this, like telling everybody, you know what? That was a great event. Um, it was not a men's conference. I, I wouldn't call it a men's conference. I would call right. it a men's event. Right. Um, it, we gave two talks. Um, there was another another talk. Mm-hmm. By uh, the Manly Catholic the Podcast. The Manly Catholic Podcast. Go check them out. Also a podcast duo. Mm-hmm. Um, and they so they gave a talk. And um, then we had uh, a blind whiskey tasting where people had to guess... Between four whiskeys. Four whiskeys, and you had to guess which one they were. We both got... Dave and I both got it We both got them right. Naturally. Um, And when, as of, when we had left, nobody else had got... Nobody else. Somebody te- somebody messaged me. Let me. While, while somebody you're else did did get it. Yeah, he he messaged me and said uh, he 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 did it. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, so uh, Dave uh, and and Kevin they put on a, a phenomenal. Here's what I loved about it is that Dave and Kevin said, "Hey, we want to make this happen." 
Yeah. And they, they, they wanted to put on a men's event. They said, let's have the guys from the Catholic Man Show. And, well, more than that, I mean, that, the, that yeah. obviously was a, 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 a one-up on their end. But Obviously. Obviously. But they were men of action. Yeah, they did. They it. said, like, we're just going to do it. The manliest, I never thought that I would, like, talk about the centerpieces at a place, at an event. Me either. But as soon as I walked I mean, in, the very first thing I said was, I'm shocked you did it. Nice right. centerpieces. They had like DeWalt tools, like a bicycle helmet. Like Brian Bauman, it was another guy who did it. Motorcycle correctly. helmets. All right. Way to go, Brian. Yes. You did it. Um, and we also got to see our old theology teacher from Bishop Kelly, uh, Mr. Tim O'Rourke. That was crazy. That was cool. Great to run it. Yeah. Freshman theology teacher. Mm hmm. Great man, uh, father of, I believe, five kids. Five boys. Five boys, um, and is now going back into teaching. Actually, like, started teaching again. His youngest is now going into kindergarten. So. Right. Uh, so it's cool. Like, he, he moved. We're in high school. He moved a- away, and he actually moved up into Grand Rapids, Michigan. And when he did, uh, you know, he, he, he's been there with his wife and, and, and children, and it just so happened that the parish that we went to, uh, it was his parish. It was his parish. Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So it was a great... Yeah, so, it was a great so they had the whiskey tasting. They had cornhole. cornhole they had uh, a, a pig roast. They chipping, had... A chipping game. They had a chipping game. I mean, it was just... It was a, a really good blend and of it was, talks and then like What I liked fellowship. about it compared to a men's conference is that it was mostly just mostly just people from the parish. Not, not exclusively and other people, but it was like the community. You know, mm-hmm. and so it was, even though there were 70, I think 75 people there, which is a pretty good size. I mean, that's not a small, right. That's not a small gig, but it still felt very intimate. I thought mm-hmm. where it didn't feel like you were in a huge crowd, right. you know, everybody. Um, it, so it was such a good uh, community building mm-hmm. thing that happened. And, and, and Dave uh, and Kevin's wives were very kind to us, very hospitable. Uh, yeah, through the yeah whole they thing. were. Um, it was really nice. Amanda and Brandy. And Aunt Brandy, yes. Amanda and Brandy. I'm so, I'm well really, done. Thank you. Uh, they were very kind. Uh, the whole the whole thing was was really well done. And I I, I think that sometimes as men we have uh, you have these ideas with other guys like hey we should do this we should do that and then it never gets executed and right. It's like great idea yeah we should, idea. we should we should definitely do that. that and then yeah. four years later you're like hey remember when we thought we were gonna do this yeah. we should do that oh, well, yeah we should but a lot of times I think we let the perf- uh the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right, we, we we want it to be just absolutely like oh well, we have to do this we have to get it at a specific place we have to have right. food catered in we got you you have to do all these different things and really guys just want to be together like let's just get men together and talk about Jesus and like have fellowship yeah so uh, cheers to cheers to you guys Dave Kevin uh, cheers to you and, and your wives and and your community uh, Father well, Troy for hosting it there at the parish that's correct yes yeah. Cheers to you so guys. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, we're drinking, uh, what is it, Tomatin? Uh, is that how we do Tomatin. Tomatin. It's a Highland mm. single, malt, uh, single malt Scotch whiskey, 12 years of aged, uh, aged in ex-bourbon barrel and ex-sherry casks. That is lovely. They uh, promote it as the softer side of the Highlands. It is really, really lovely. When i got to tell you, when I was pouring it, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's the viscosity or something. Yeah poured so nice as i was pouring it into the glass i was actually thinking there's the the color is such a nice amber color and it i literally felt like i was pouring liquid gold like mm. it 
it it just poured so nicely. It's lighter. There was just something about the like, liquid the gold. way the liquid was pouring out that just looked amazing. It says it has aroma aromas of wild heather, pine, and cedar, soon sweetened with uh, revealed notes of creme caramel with yeah. apples. I'm getting suggestions of of caramel. Pears and mangoes before a full-bodied and buttery finish. Buttery. It's it's so, delicious. Yeah, it's really. I good. really like it. I think it was actually uh, on the cheaper side for a Highland Scotch. I think it was about fifty-four to fifty-five dollars. Okay, not too bad. I saw one of their commercials. They have a hundred and twenty-five year whiskey. Mm. Not sure how much of it they have. Probably not very much. Probably not very. Uh, hey, we're going to the Holy Land. Yes, we can actually announce it. Yes, we got an email. I got an email. Were you copied on the email today? I was. I I that it's live. You can sign live. up. You can you, yes, you can sign up. Go to selectinternationaltours.com slash the Catholic Man Show, uh, and you can you can sign up. It has all the all the information there. We're really excited. It's going to be basically a less a little bit less than a year from right now. Yeah. Uh, but we are able to uh, lock in some of the most key components of like. If you're gonna stay somewhere in the Holy Land, here's where you need to stay. Yeah, and we were able to get it, like uh, Notre Dame. We were able to stay there, right? Which uh, is which is hard like, to hard to get. It's hard to get, uh, and so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a trip of a lifetime, really, for, to go to the like Holy right Land, right on the Sea of uh, Sea of Galilee. It's gonna in, be in one location. It's gonna be phenomenal, yeah. and we're it's gonna be an intimate group. Uh, it's you know we're not gonna have a whole like multiple buses or anything like that. Right. There's yeah, one bus. M- most of the time when you go to the Holy Land, well, no, I, I can't say most of the time, I guess, but a lot of times when you do this through like a, a big organization, there'll be two or three buses right. that you're going with, and you know there's nothing wrong with that, but if it's hard to get to know the people you're traveling with, so we are we are one bus. I think that will always we're be a one bus crew. We'll always be a one bus kind of organization. Because here's the deal. It, it takes a lot of logistics to get people, even just getting people off a bus and back on a bus. If you've ever been to a pilgrimage, like it takes a lot of effort and time yeah. to coordinate of getting people on and off buses. So if you think, have multiple buses... Think about the last time you were at a family reunion and you were trying to take a picture and yeah. ha- how hard it is. It's like, guys, we're everybody stand over here mm-hmm. and then look this way for the picture. You'd think, we're, we're like, we're adults. Even if you're not trying to wrangle kids, right. it still takes like 15 minutes right. to take a picture. Um, so yeah, just getting on and off the bus sounds easy, but if you have so, if you have that many people, like two or three buses, it can take a long time. So. Mm-hmm. We, I'm so excited to go. I am too. We're gonna bring our wives. I'm bringing my wife. I possibly mine. You better bring your wife. I hope so. I I, I want to. Got to tell your parents they can't come if that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mom, I love you, and you know that. But I love my wife. I choose my wife. Right. I'm so sorry. Hey, we were on uh, Jim and Joy at EWTN yeah. TV show. How did how did it go with the year with you? It went good. Because yeah, it was nice. Uh, Haley nice and I interview. did. Uh, Haley and I did an interview, and then I think right afterwards, you and Pamela did an interview, uh-huh. and we went back to back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was fun. And your interview came out today. I think ours comes out tomorrow. Our episode or? comes out tomorrow. I think yeah. So it was yeah, it was nice. Good. They're a really nice couple. They really are. Did you like how they kissed on the cheek? Yes. I was like, I gave Pamela they, when they kissed. I was like, I gave Pamela one. Oh, I can do that. Oh, nice. But I wasn't on camera when it happened. So. <laughs> hey, uh, Father uh, Father's Day is coming up here pretty soon. We're gonna talk about fatherhood tonight. Uh, give a little glimpse of of something that we talked about actually in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. 
We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. This episode of the Catholic Man Show is brought to you by one of the only emails that Dave consistently opens and reads. And I know this because I send him a lot of emails. I even have the read receipts on. He knows I have them on. All he has to do is open my emails, and I think that he reads them. He still doesn't do that. But he and I both uh, are subscribers and have been for many years to Catholic Votes The Loop. It's a free daily news feed from Catholic media sources. It's all in one email. You get important headlines from trusted sources, best of blogs, your saint of the day, daily scripture readings, all in one. So, so go to gettheloop.com. Gettheloop.com. Now make sure that you, you click on the Catholic Mantra sent you because we're competing against our fellow friends from Ascension Press, Conversations with Jackie and Bobby Angel. They're awesome. I love uh, their podcast. I love what they're doing with Ascension Press, but I still want to beat them. I still <laughs> so go over to gettheloop.com. Make sure you 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 show them that the Catholic Man Show sent you, so they continue sponsoring us. Uh, you help out, and then you also get to stay up to date with what's going on in the Catholic world. Gettheloop.com. That is the place to get trusted Catholic news sources. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan and David Niles. I'm David Niles. And this is Adam Minahan. And we're the Catholic Man Show. <laughs> Done like over 350 episodes and waited. St- still really uh, <laughs> fine tuning our intros. No, dude. That was it. This is it. That was it. This yeah. is. This is the perfect I've been waiting for. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, anything else before we go into the topic today? Well, do you want to talk about your bees? Oh yeah. So the bees went well. We got bees mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. Right. We did. Your our cows f- are still in place. They're not. They've not. Cows. Cows have not left. Although I'm really shocked how uh, popular your cows have become. Well, uh, your cows. They really made a name for themselves. Right. Right they, off the bat. They really did. Um, a beefy story. Oreo and Inky. Oreo, I think, is a great name. Inky, I think, is a dumb <laughs> name. But, you know, what happens when you let the kids do it. I have a cousin. I don't know how old he was, like maybe five or so. And they got a dog. And his parents, they like, and you can name the dog. You know, it's like, it was like, give. You know, like, we got, you got you a dog. Right. And it's like, what are you going to name it? And he goes, Fricko. <laughs> So they had a dog named Fricko <laughs> for a long time. I would have said, okay, try again. <laughs> We're not naming the dog Fricko. Oh, that's, but that's what you get when you say, all right, kids, you can pick the name. How about Fricko? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> So our cows are Oreo and Inky. Oreo is black and white. He's got white on his face. Inky has like like one little tiny Ink. spot, mostly just black. So Ink spot. The bees are doing well. They're doing excellent. They're doing their job. Uh, we ordered them. Um, and so uh, a standard beehive, when it gets full grown, you'll have 10 f- uh, 20 frames. So, you know, it's like boxes on top of boxes. So the bottom two boxes are the biggest. Those have... <laughs> <Break up. laughs> Isn't that hilarious? 
Uh, I'm sorry. He didn't. He didn't. Sadly, he didn't last that long. Like he didn't. He didn't have a long life. I'm but. gonna get it together. That was just really funny. <laughs> it's a funny name. So, like in each box for the beehives, there's ten frames. Right now, they're just in one. They're filling it out, building the, the comb, laying nice eggs. So it, it you know, this is our first hive check because we installed. It put the bees you when you buy bees the way i did it you get five frames mm-hmm. of like uh from a previously established colony that's getting too big they have to divide so you get a queen with you know i don't know several thousand bees and you put them in your your new beehive and they start to grow the colony there so you know you want to see that they're that they're laying eggs and doing you know expanding the colony yeah, doing their so job. that that's what they're doing it's uh, this is our first hive check, like I said, and it's a little bit scary. Yeah. When you crack open the beehive, mm-hmm. um, just because there are bees and thousands of them, and they don't like what you're doing, you know. Right. They don't. They don't like, they don't like you hurts. ripping their house, their roof off their house. Right. Which is what you do, and then pull the frames out so you can check them. But right. It's going well so far. Good. But you are, you're not going to have honey for another we, year? We won't get any honey this year. Okay. So, yeah, it'll be a year and a half before we actually collect any honey. I would like the first batch, please. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm really excited about that. I plan on experimenting with, you know, I'll probably make some mead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you have to. Yeah. If you have honey, right? you have to make mead. Right. But we'll probably give it, a, we'll probably give it, you know, it depends on how much we get, honestly. Mm-hmm. But we have... Uh, we have honeysuckle rampant all over the property, mm. which is good, pretty great. Yeah, a lot of nectar. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, so yeah, so like we said before the break, is that you know Father's Day is coming up. We're entering into the month of which June. Oh, yeah. Well, I was I was just thinking like if I wanted to go there or not. Don't go there. Okay. It's not that month. Just because they say so, it's not really that month. No, 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 no. no that's not what I was going. Oh. I was actually going to take a, a a different route on. Oh, okay. I'm just not really a big fan, and this is going to upset people probably. All right, but uh, I'm just not really a big fan of Mother's Day or Father's Day. Okay, I like Father's Day personally. <laughs> uh, like I think that like if you are a good husband and uh, you know and teach your children to be you know appreciative to the mom. Yeah. Like. Going above and beyond on one day doesn't really, I don't know, you should just be doing that. I think, I also have a different opinion. I think on Father's Day, it's... And same way with Father's Day, is obviously. That's like my day where I should be serving them. You know, it's kind of like a, oh, it's like half birthday, you know, I get to take the day off kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to do whatever the chores or... Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's like, it's Father's Day, I should be doing, I should be serving, you know. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I think about it. Yeah, I'm also fine with getting presents, <laughs> but anytime and cake any any day of the year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. To be honest, didn't have to be Father's Day. So I'm not. I don't hate on it the right. same way you do. I, I do. Think, I do kind of hate on. it I a do think bit. the the celebration is often disordered. Maybe I, I honestly I don't worry about it too much. It's it doesn't yeah. make it into my like realm of things I worry about. Sure. Okay, so we're gonna talk about fatherhood though uh, this evening. Very good. Now, there's some of the things that we, uh, we've we talked about before on the show. Uh, you can go back, and I, I'm sure if you search on the thecatholicmanshow.com, Fatherhood, you're going to get a plethora of, a lot. of different things that we've talked about. 
but I want to talk about like kind of like just the whole uh, uh, cycle of fatherhood, the whole life of, of yeah. fatherhood. A different angle today. We'll From be a different angle. Um, you know, I, we, I've said this before, but this is really good advice, I think, for, for, for fathers who are, are uh, men who are becoming fathers, you know, and uh, your, your, your wife is, is going in, into labor or you're, you're about to you're about to have have your child for the first your first child. Especially your first child, but I think this is good for all for, your... for all children. Yes, yeah. uh, but I think it's very important as a father to try to engage as many senses as you possibly can when your child is being born, right? So the combination of like this sterile room, uh, the smell of a sterile room, and warm linen blankets, uh, you know, the the chaos sounds of if you're at the hospital, if you're at the hospital, if, it, if your house smells like that, that's weird. That's yeah, that's it's different home birth. Yeah, uh, I have births at the hospital because I like my babies to live. Yeah, because we wanted them to live. <laughs> right. Um, it's a joke. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. We had our we had a home birth just to make you feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so you have, you know, this unique, you have these unique uh, uh, clashings of smells, uh, of sounds like the heartbeat monitor and, and your wife there. You, you know, you have sites of the, the nurses who are typically pretty calm and like very, uh, militant almost of like here's what yeah. we're gonna be next and like you know you have your the love of your life you know right there uh you know about to give birth there's a lot of things that are happening uh, around you and and it happens uh w- when it happens just like in america like when in your uh a wedding or whatever like it happens it seems like that even though it, it could take boom, a while here it is. Boom. the moment is here the yeah. moment is here and so it's really important to engage all these senses right because the moment that your baby you get to hold your baby for the very first time Right, the moment that you get to see this life and hold the hold, you know, your child, this uh, feeling, this emotion that just comes over you, that like a wave of, of, of love towards this child, it is so overwhelming. Right, you have this uh, this sense of unconditional love for this child, where at least, like you know, when I held this child, you know, my children for the first time, I, I just look at their, look at them, look at them in the face, and, and just think about how I would be willing to do whatever I can. Yeah. It is love at first sight, right? Which uh, I typically don't believe in, but, but with your kids, it is. It's just I, I will do whatever I can to give you the best life possible, right? right. This whole, uh, I, I, I will sacrifice whatever I have to do, yeah, to give you what you deserve, and it's true love because. This baby has done nothing. Right. You know, uh, it's just, it's, it's a perfect example of, of love. And maybe like the, the purest that you ever experience in life. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, they have, this baby can do nothing for you. Won't do anything for you for a long time. I mean, right. a long time. Sure. And, uh, you know, but still. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't, that feeling of like, I would do anything for you. That doesn't change. You know, now you might not be quite as happy about it at, right. you know, like 3 a.m., you know, right. on, you know, in the nights to come. But still, that it doesn't change, you know. Right. But I mean, so you bring up a good point, right? So that moment that you have, that feeling that you have, you have to hold on to it and really like uh, burn it into your memory, so to speak. Because soon, as every father will tell you, you know, those emotions dissipate. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they flee. Yeah. Right, and the the desire is still there. Obviously, you, you still desire to do you know whatever you can for the child, but the motion is not there anymore. Yeah, and all of a sudden you realize that the doctors are just letting you walk out of the hospital with a new baby. 
It is weird. It feels like stealing. They don't have any kind of blue like like blueprints. They don't have any instructions. They don't do a background check. They no. don't do. I mean, it's just like they just let you walk out. Like, do you have a car seat? Yes. Okay, you are you are clear to go. I feel like the the process of adopting a dog is more elaborate than elaborate. Nice, unintended, but good, delicious. Woof. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you just get to leave. I also think a great idea is to journal about that moment. You know, like I engage agree. engage your senses, and then write down. Like that's a great idea. Uh, and, and I think keep, I did that. Keep with it a in mind that you know someday you can give this little journal about you know their moment about that moment to your kids so that your right. kids know like what it was like for you the day they were born, which would be really great. And it's good to recall this, right? Because here pretty soon, as you, as all fathers know. Uh, Sleeplessness kicks in. The new duties that you have kick in. New responsibilities. Uh, these things that you no longer get to choose, like that, that like you just now have to do. Yeah. Uh, over overwhelm you as well. So when we get back, uh, we're going to talk about we'll continue like the role and the cycle of fatherhood. If you've ever done Excess ninety before, you know how Easter can easily go from feasting to binging in no time. Even if you've had a really great Lent, regardless of if you did Exodus 90 or not, there's a temptation to slide back into these old ways, these old habits, and even maybe worse, uh, becoming less disciplined than when you were when you started Lent. This year, the team of Exodus 90 has built out a 50-day journey through through the Easter season. Yes, Easter is 50 days long, not just one Sunday in April. And during these 50 days, it's an invitation into understanding true Christian feasting. The fact of the matter is, we need structure, even in feasting. So they've put together a plan of life to help keep some guardrails from temptations of going too far and binging for over the next couple months. You can join them now by going to startmyexodus.com and jump into today's readings and reflections on the Acts of the Apostles. Go to startmyexodus.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show. I want to give a shout out to all of our patrons. If you are a patron of the Catholic Command Show, I we greatly appreciate it. A lot of the things that you support us in uh, help us to roll back uh, and do things in the show. One being like, you know, our website got attacked a while back. We were able to get that all straightened out because of your support. Uh, we're also, you know, we do book clubs. We do uh, probably some of the best thank you gifts as a uh, for a patron, oh. I think... Easily that the we, best. you know, some of the best at least. But if you're a fan of Plato, uh, our next book group is going to go. My kids, big fans of Plato. Green, orange, purple. I mean, really, they like all the colors. I think what they like the most is to mash them up together and step on them. Right. Um, in the carpet. I think that's. But if you're a big their uh, fan of the philosopher Plato. Plato. Uh, we're going to go through his five dialogues. Uh, Actually, my kids, when we read the dialogues like a year ago. With your kids? No, when I, when we did oh. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course I've read them with my kids. Yeah. Symposium and, was really weird. I mean, they had a little trouble keeping up with the Greek. Right. But, yeah, they did fine. Yeah. Uh, no, but when I told them, it's like, oh, yeah, I was reading this, you know, by Plato. Mm-hmm. They just laughed. They thought that was the funniest thing that there's this author named Plato. Yeah. And yeah. You know what? It is funny. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to start uh, that here pretty soon. So if you've ever, like, you've been wanting to read it, uh, you know, reading Plato's five dialogues, 
uh, best read in a group, uh, and so to be able to bounce ideas off of it's because very uh, it's it, it's easy read, but it's a dense read, right? Like yeah, I mean it like, is dense because there's a lot that you can be you can a lot take from it. But what I like about it is that it's not hard to get to the some of the really rich things. You know, right. you don't have to be. An academic. Yeah, like a deep, you know, it's like you don't need somebody who's been studying it for years and years and years. Um, and, and you can continue reading it and yeah, learning more it, and more it and is, more. It is rich and dense right. for that. It's deep. I wouldn't say right. it's dense. I would say it's deep, maybe. Sure. Okay, uh, because it's, it is those, it's very accessible. Right. So anyway. But uh, yes, I, I want to echo your shout out to the patrons. Uh, you know, we really, honestly, we wouldn't be able to do as much because um, there's things that we just have to, we've had reached the point where we have to, uh, you know, outsource and cost money. Right. And if we didn't have the support from our patrons, we just wouldn't be able to do them. We wouldn't be able to do as much for the show. The and Catholic Man Show camp out. Yeah, the camp out is totally supported by all the, by the patrons. So, um, which is going to be the last weekend in September. Mark your calendars. Yes. Basically, if you want to come to the camp out, you need to be a patron. It's just gotten to that point where the um, yeah we we all, we let the patons we open it up to them first, and they. Within, and and within you guys, you guys hours. fill it up, yeah, right away. Right. So, um, if you want to come to the camp out, join us on Patreon. Yeah, we'll send you an awesome thank you gift. Yeah, and you can whiskey glass, beer glasses, all sorts of things. Also, there is a plenary indulgence for no, supporting the Man Show. That's not true. Well, we don't know for a fact that it's not true. The Lord <laughs> could do could, it. Could do it. <laughs> We actually also have no evidence that it's true at all. <laughs> okay, good. But it also might be true. Might be true. Okay, so uh, we're talking about fatherhood. So um, it, before the break, we we're talking about how like it's just so important to to uh, like burn into your memory this love that you you have uh, when you hold your baby for the first time because obviously that that feeling uh, dissipates. It, it goes away quickly as you you're sleepless and you're tired yeah. and your new responsibilities and all these things happen. Uh, and you need to be able to recall those that emotion to help you, you know, kind of move forward in, in some of the trials and tribulations. Are we going to be fatherhood. going through the, the stages that you that? Yeah, you've, yeah, yeah. You, do you want to go ahead and and name the stages so that? No. You want to wait? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so the first stage, though, uh, let's let's do the first one. Okay. Is uh, pr- uh, provider and, t- and, te- and protector, protector and provider. I think these are not like these are ones that people hear all the time as as fathers. But what I mean by that is not necessarily, uh, or where I want to focus is the natural side of providing pr- and protecting, which are the kind of the same thing. Providing and protecting, um, kind of wash out to be the same. You provide protection, and by protecting, you're providing. I mean, they're different, but mm-hmm. but they kind of blend together heavily right so you you know you're you're you know the first time you're you're a father like in the middle of the night you kind of wake up sometimes you're like making sure that the baby's still awake making sure they're still breathing yeah. making sure that for whatever reason they didn't roll over onto this mysterious blanket that's suffocating them and you're yeah. you're, you're checking to make sure that they're still breathing and they're still alive mm-hmm. you're learning how to uh feed you didn't them. put them on their back did you <laughs> right exactly. i mean oh wait no you're supposed to do that now you didn't put them on their yeah. stomach <laughs> Because they used to think, oh, no, you put them on your stomach. And then they changed their mind and said, okay, put them on your back. and yep. Whatever. All right. That's what they say. So we do it. So you're learning all these different, these new things about fatherhood and your new responsibilities that you have to, to uh, as a husband and as a father, 
you know, helping your wife and, and you know, changing diapers and, and being able to help feed the baby and like, you know, all the things that you're doing now, you have to incorporate like, well, how are we bringing the baby? What, what do we have to bring to make sure that the baby is okay? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, there's this natural instinct, instinct in men to provide and protect for, for children. Yeah. Um, and so eventually the baby ends up growing up enough to where you move them out of your, your, your room, the master bedroom, and into their even own own room, their own nursery. Uh-huh. Right? So you're like providing... It's no- a great day. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're providing, you provide, make sure that they're still alive. Like you're, you have this natural, like, I just want to make sure the baby stays, stays alive. I just want to make sure they're fed. Uh, you're providing shelter for them. You're, you're giving them their own room. You're doing these, all these natural things as a father. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what does that mean as a, as a dad, right? So in order to do these things, you have to, you have to not do other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what really characterizes this this stage in fatherhood, especially when you're going through it the first time, but it doesn't actually matter. The second time, it still is this way that um, you have to make changes in your life, right? So you you weren't a dad before, and now all of a sudden you have a kid, and uh, it, it's the single biggest ch- like moment of change. I don't know. The, the day you get married is also maybe that's a bigger day of change. But baptism. Um, I mean, I mean, like in your day to day life, in sure. your in your activities, right? You used to, like, you know, had a routine for the end of the day or for throughout the day. And all those routines, they're just gone, right? Mm-hmm. You used to go out to eat with your friends. And, like, when the baby is still young, you can still go out to eat. But as the baby gets older, you, you know, you don't go out to eat anymore. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not to fi- fancy restaurants. They, they don't want you taking a crying baby in there, you know. So there's all of these things about your, your life, almost every aspect of your life, has to change and you have to make sacrifices and give up some things that were good that you really liked for um, a greater good which is the obligation and the vocation that you have and rearing of this child right so to me the providing and protecting that's something that uh that that phase in life that season if you will is really characterized by giving up of the old way the old ways of doing things and embracing the new ways of doing things Right, yeah, and uh, you know, as the baby continues to grow, and you enter into these like terrible twos and terrible threes yeah. periods, like I think the threes are actually tougher than twos. At least that's been our experience. Is that the baby's reaching the three year old is for us tougher. twos have not been bad. Yeah, threes seem to seem to be a little bit worse for yeah, us. But I think so. But you know, this this goes gets into the next phase of fatherhood where you're you're a teacher, you're a teacher, you're teaching your children, right? And you're teaching them in a, still in, in a very natural way because they're young still. So you're but you're teaching them these right and wrongs. That here's what you should do. Here's what you, you should not do. You're teaching them, uh, you know, some of the natural virtues that you're you're trying to instill in them, right? You're trying yeah. to because uh, naturally it seems like that. For, because of original sin or whatever else, the baby wants to do. Your toddler wants to do things uh, selfishly, right? It's not you have to like, in, like infu- or you have to like teach them, yeah, how to be a virtuous person, mm-hmm. right? So uh, an example, easy example: set your set your kid with another kid uh, in the toy room and set them down. The other kid goes and plays with a, a toy that has not been played with or picked up or looked at in in eight months. What happens? Your kid wants to instantly play with that toy. And only that toy. Right, that's the only toy that's I've the, ever wanted. Yeah, and that's the only toy that I ever want to play I with. Play I play with want... that toy every day. Right. 
and you have to teach them no 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 it's good to be generous it's good to share you have to you, you know we, we share our things it's you have to teach the, the these natural virtues yeah uh and through this like this is uh kind of the foundation of the virtuous life that you're you're building right yeah uh, we've talked about this before on the show but like a, a good litmus test is how kids behave uh, at the table yeah during dinner yes and so i think that this phase the teacher phase it lasts oh you know into the teenage years no no about till the age of reason i think well it, i think it goes beyond that there's i think there's going to overlap with some of the next phase but you're still teaching things in the but but yeah i see i know why you say that because by the time you're about eight seven or eight um you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do generally speaking um, but what I think this teacher phase is characterized by, at least in my own fatherhood, is um, as I'm teaching my kids, I really end up teaching myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for instance, I can't tell you how many times I've done this. I'll be eating and then say, oh, uh, Elizabeth, don't eat with your, with your elbows on the table, only to realize I'm sitting there leaning on the table with my elbows. Right, it's this, this whole mirror. Look over there uh, on our VMix. Uh, it's this whole mirror where you you realize as you're telling, trying to teach them what you should be doing, uh, they you realize, oh, I should not be doing this as well. Right. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, exactly. My own myself is placed bef- like for me as in a mirror, right? And I see myself and my own problems and the, my shortcomings. It's like mm-hmm. as you start to teach, you realize, oh. I guess I need to do a better job with that, you know, uh, right. in all of like the manners, you know. Um, yeah, so. we talked about this before on the show, like the importance of teaching your children uh, silence, how to be silent yeah. uh, in the homes. So that way they can be silent during mass and know like how to be silent and what yeah. that looks like. Uh, you can look at uh, thecatholicmancho.com as we talk a lot about parenting and, and other things like that. But when we get back, we're going to j- jump into the next phase of fatherhood. We're back. For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, we used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If, if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really, you know, oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because, you know, they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about some the different phases of fatherhood. Now, Adam, this um, what we're talking about comes from an article that you have you're publishing in our Sunday Visitor. Mm-hmm. Any idea when that? Any idea when it's slated to come out? I think Father's Day. Okay, so um, but I don't know that for sure. 
look for look for Adam's article that's coming out in the, our Sunday Visitor because really I think and you're going to see here at the very end. So make sure to stick around because we're going to relate this all in a I think a surprising way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, so there's a twist at the end. So and I and I, I really think this is a, a great parallel that you, you're drawing here in this article. So thanks. Um, yeah, so just to recap real quick, you know, you have this, like, as a, as a new father, you have this natural uh, understanding of provider and protector, like, of teaching, yep, uh, and then you have, uh, or providing and protecting on a natural level, and then uh, you have the teaching phase when you, you're trying to teach your children these natural virtues, right, like, how to be generous, how to be silent, and, you know, like, when to be silent, how to have manners, how to show yeah. reverence, how to show piety, how to show you know uh, respect to others. You're trying to teach them these natural things to develop this foundation, right? And then as they grow, as they get past you know these twos and threes and fours and fives, and they start eight, uh, hitting the what what the church calls you know the age of reason, where they're able to you know have their first holy communion and first confession, they're able to decipher what is right and wrong morally. You kind of enter into a new phase in fatherhood where it still encompasses teaching, like kind of like what you were saying earlier, but it's a different type of teaching, right? It's an establishing, uh, it's an, like you're, you're becoming an establisher or it's at least higher level teaching, you know, like, and the reason why is, is because now that your child has entered into the sacramental life, receiving sacramental grace, well, they already did it during baptism, but they're receiving the sacrament of, of confession in, in the Eucharist, and possibly confirmation as they get more, more and more initiated. Right. Uh, you are now uh, establishing them and preparing them to become a disciple of Christ, to go out into the world and make disciples themselves. Right. So you're trying to give them uh, to build upon the sacramental life that they have to go out and preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now. But, and to me, one thing that I, I really, when I think about establishing, What's that mean to establish it? I think establish means to create something that will live beyond you, right? That you one day will pass away, but the thing that you have established won't, or it will at least it will at least live beyond your years, right? And go on to do something on its own, right? Right. That it's not contingent on you being there for its own existence anymore, right? Right. So that's that's what we're trying to do in our children. We're trying to establish. You know, set them on their own footing, mm-hmm. and so that they know the the way to go on their own without without us. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, in the catechism um, paragraph, like if you if you as a parent have never read catechism paragraph two 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 three, you should go do that. Kind of easy to remember. Very easy to remember, uh, and very well worth your time. Very short, very well worth your time. But in three there, two, three twos and a three. Right. Uh, it, it talks about. Uh, the home should be an apprenticeship in self-denial, sound judgment, and self-mastery for the children. And, and I like what it says, that, the, that those are the preconditions of all true freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, we should have that. But I, I really like how it drives the point home by talking about how that's we need those things if we're to be truly free. Right. And so you're establishing your children, right, to, to have habits of this sacramental life. Right, so what does that look like? Like, are we take as as men? Are we taking our families to com, uh, to confession this mm-hmm. to, to receive the sacrament of confession every at least once a month? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, that's just a suggestion. That's not what the church says, but that that's uh, something that I think is a good habit it's to good get manly, into. Manly suggestion for you, right there. Right. Obviously, are you observing? 
mass on Sundays and all holy days of obligation. Yeah. Uh, are you cultivating love of the saints within your family? Are you yeah. col- are you giving them the opportunity to and teaching them like uh, that they have intercessors just waiting for them to pray for them, uh, and that they need to call upon them. Yeah. And I think that really one of the primary ways that especially men, because I think this is something that's different from women. Think, but as especially as men, the one of the primary ways we fulfill this establishing role is by example, right? That our kids will be the men, our, our sons will be the men, and our daughters will look for the men that we show them, right? That we are going to show them what it, what a man is, right? Mm-hmm. And so our our sons will strive to be that as they grow older, and our daughters will look for it as they're you know if they're if they're called to holy matrimony that you know. They're going to look for a man that fits the example that they know. That's right. Um, and so to me, this establishing, the thing that happens, I think, for us as dads, similar to the teacher phase where you're starting to teach and you like that mirror is put up in front of you, and it's like, oh, I need to work on that. As we're sitting there establishing our kids, we end up establishing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that we, this is, I think, the phase in fatherhood where you finally become the man you've always wanted to be. That the, you you finally start to get that um, self confidence in in virtue if you've been working on it if you've been pursuing the virtuous life now um, that you kind of know who you are you know where you stand um, hopefully hopefully you're you're strong in your in your faith life right mm-hmm. you, in your prayer life is good you know that Christ loves you mm-hmm. and you love Him back right and so you you can now present and be that man that. You've always wanted to be, you know, like you're at a very high value level in life where, you know, you, you can get, a, you're vigorous, can get mm-hmm. a lot done, mm-hmm. but have wi- you're starting to have wisdom. You're gaining wisdom day by day in uh, just from your, the life experience that you've, you know, starting to carry around with you. Yeah, and there's a difference, right? Whenever you're you're at the teacher phase, when you're teaching these natural virtues of generosity and like uh, you know being in silence and all these like natural virtues that you're just trying to build upon, mm-hmm. and you're, you're transitioning now into the establishing phases of these like a lot of these moral virtues, right? The the, the cardinal virtues, uh, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance, and this those sub virtues, right? Chastity, modesty, the importance of uh, you know self denial, like the catechism talks about. Like you're you're really. Uh, Showing them and and teaching them the way of the Christian life, right? Yeah, absolutely. Once again, by example, by ex- Ho- hopefully, hopefully by because really, I think that that's so important for men. Right. For women, it's different. For women, they're like drawing, you know, their children to themselves and loving on them in a different way. But for men, we lead by example, and I mean that's why that's why um, those studies show that if the father is religious. And practices religion, goes to church. The children will too when they get older. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because you lead by example, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you sit home and pray. They're gonna do what they see you doing. Mm-hmm. So it's an right. important phase in fatherhood. And hopefully, like, at that you know, at that point with, in fatherhood, your, your children are now growing up. They're becoming their own, you know, uh, their own Christian self. You know, whether man or woman, and they're they're. Uh, you know, graduating high school and they're moving on and they're, you're, you're becoming almost empty nesters, right? You're, you're, yeah. Your children are now flying the coop, so to speak, which is really interesting because uh, the culture today... I'm going to be so sad. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'm, I'm going to be happy about it, but it's that is going to be sad. But it's, it's interesting be because the culture pushes... Haley, Haley is going to cry. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. She's going to cry. Yeah. 
um, she has so much love is, yeah. the, is the issue, you know. Um, but uh, col- the, the culture today, um, Pamela, will, Lady Pamela, she will cry. Yeah, that's given. Yeah. Uh, but the culture today, like, you, you know, you hear men all the time say like, well, my, you know, once, once, these, you know, I'm just trying to raise these kids to 18 and once they get out of the house, it, you know, it's on them. Yeah. You know, and like almost like that fatherhood ceases to exist once they get out of the house, once they turn 18. And, you know, I understand the desire for you wanting your kids to go out and be on their own, right? Because, yeah, we want to establish them. We don't want them to like to be dependent on us. We want them to be their own man, right? But but that a, a well formed man, but doesn't mean that your point, I think, is that fatherhood doesn't end right when they leave, right? And so, as they as they leave, they you become a different like your father. The fatherhood looks a little different, right? It's still there yeah, all the time, uh, nonetheless, very uh, you know important. But in fact, uh, just as much important, just as important as what it has been, right? Because now uh, you become an intercessor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for your child because now you're now you're you are less focused on like teaching them because now they're going out you've taught them and they're they're going out to be disciples and now you you're really trying to pray not only for them but for the people around them mm-hmm. right I remember that when uh, I I left for college and I didn't know this till it you know a long time afterwards but my mom and my dad and my grandparents were all praying constantly that I'd be surrounded by good holy friends. And You're then welcome. I met, you know, then I You're welcome. with you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I knew my mom was praying for me because she wrote me a letter t- t- telling, <laughs> telling me how upset she was. <laughs> <laughs> I needed it. It was a letter I needed. Right. I still right. have it. Nice. But you become this this intercessor, right? But uh, I, anyway, I, I knew she was praying for me. Sure. Uh, 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 praying for your, ch- for your child, right? In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, St. Paul says, Do not be deceived... Bad company ruins good morals. Powerful line right there. Right. Powerful line. Bad company ruins good morals. So here you are as a father. You've established good morals. Right. You've built on you know on a good foundation, and then they go off. And if they're in bad company, it could ruin good morals. So it's so important as a father to be praying for uh, the the friends that they have for their potential spouse that they may have, if they discern uh, the vocation of marriage, that you'd be praying for their future spouse. You know, it, and it, the inverse of that is is true as well, that good company can resurrect bad morals. Sure, yeah. You know, that the, yeah. the company we choose to keep, it's going to influence our life decisions in mm-hmm. enormous ways. That's right. So, yeah, but so it, the intercessor, like, when you're at this le- level, to me... It's like you finally reached this age where you can like widen your scope a little bit mm-hmm. and you can look back at your life and, and you know what has fulfilled you and what has not fulfilled you. The things you've spent a lot of time and money chasing that just didn't turn out to be something that didn't actually satisfy you at the end of the day. Right. We're out of time on Catholic Radio. If you're listening right now on Catholic Radio, go check us out, thecatholicmanshow.com because we're going we're gonna to continue this. We have one more... like life cycle of, of fatherhood and then we're going to bring it together on a the big unexpe- reveal uh, unexpected turn so check out the podcast we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass and cheers to jesus cheers but you know like i said when you're um in the midst of fatherhood like you and i are both right now i just feel like you just you're just laser focused on the here and now you know what am i doing today you know, tr- making sure that you're checking all the boxes, doing all the right things, um, and you—it's just so late. You're just so focused on 
right now because it's just you're just going, 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 going. Then you, you know you get to the stage where you're an empty nester, and you can kind of finally lift your head mm-hmm. and and like I said, widen your lens. And this is where I feel like you can you really have wisdom because, like I said, you can look back and say, you know what, I spent so much money, so much time pursuing um, those goals. And I see now that that was a waste of time or vice versa, where I didn't spend enough time or maybe you did spend time doing the right things. And it, mm-hmm. and it, it has brought you so much long term happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things in my job is that I get to most of the, most of the day I'm talking to people that are older than me, mm-hmm. people who are at that, this exact phase who, who have retired. And so um, I'll ask them a lot of questions and I, I get advice from a lot of my clients just about like, you know, what do you think about this or what do you do or. Mm-hmm. you know, what was it like for you? And mm-hmm. so I, I really enjoy getting to ask, um, you know, and I get different, I get different advice from different people and I get to, you know, I take the, take the advice I like. And, it's also telling. Yeah, it is. Uh, but it's an important role, right? Where you are, you're now at this level where you kind of know what to pray for. That's the important part, mm-hmm. you know, is that because you have that ability to look at your own life, see your own valuable mistakes, mm-hmm. because think about how valuable they are, that now you have, you have this wisdom to offer as you pray for your children. That's right. That's um, right. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Right. So, like, don't, uh, don't regret... The, I mean, well, you can regret sin. We should always be regretting sin, but... Uh, thank God for the lessons and, and the mercy and the wisdom that you can take away from it. You know, God always uses uh, good, bad things to achieve a good end, and that's what He's doing in you in your own in your own sinful past. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Now He's He's using that so that you know and have this wisdom. Mm-hmm. So use it, right? Um, and you still are the dad. You, your authority over your children spiritually doesn't change. It do, it does on a natural level, right? Like mm-hmm. they're out of the house. You can't tell them when to go to bed anymore right um not like you want to <laughs> but right. uh yeah use it you gotta that's that's the that's what that phase of fatherhood is about right and then uh just to kind of harken back of at the very beginning you know when you get married one of the, the priests in the nuptial blessings here's what he says may they be blessed with children and prove themselves virtuous parents who live to see their children's children. Which I just, I, you know, I just love this, right? Because, uh, you know, here at the very beginning of a, of a union, you, you realize, here's, here's what we want you to be able to do. To see your children's children. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you, we're making assumptions, but that you have children, and that your children discern the vocation of marriage, and they have children. And you reach this fullness of fatherhood, right? This opportunity to become a grandfather, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I, I labeled this as like the custodian of tradition. I like that. It's a good, right? good, this, good title. This custodian of tradition. because here, And here's why. Because like with your mortality ever more visible, right? You're, you're, you're becoming older. You're, you're realizing that, uh, you know, you're not going to be in this world too much longer. Yeah. Um, and it's much more visible. Yeah, probably like twenty years or so. You know, right? Uh, you have. I mean, a, maybe maybe longer than yeah, that. Who but, knows? You know, but ballpark. It, it's closer. You have this unique ability to 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 widen that lens even more to see the things that really 
are important in this life. Mm -hmm. And the things that you've built when you were younger, the teaching phase when you're you're building these natural virtues and this establisher phase where you're you're building on these uh, uh grace and supernatural virtues you look back and you say like these are the things that are good and i want to guard them and make sure that my family my namesake continues this on yeah one of the best examples i think that uh, i can give and this is just from experience you know, personal experience and anecdotal but uh my grandfather uh, before he passed away, at all of our uh, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, birthday celebrations, he and my grandmother would sit down the family and just take a minute to address the family, almost like a sta- almost kind of like a, a state of the union, so to speak, for the Minahan name, right? State of the communion. Communion. Oh, nice. I like that. Uh, but so he would just say, you know, and address the family and say, you know, I'm very proud of you guys doing this mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, I'm very concerned if you guys move in this direction as a family, uh, which he did. You know, he had he had the uh, courage and the fortitude to, to, to call out, you know, like this is just not something we should be doing doing as a family. Uh-huh. Uh, you guys know this isn't right. Uh, make sure we're not doing this. Uh, and then also just, you know, to make sure that. Uh, as a family, we we understood like the importance of a prayer, the importance of being together as a family is 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 incredibly important. And sure. Really oh, all, yeah. And so he would just take the time to address everybody before we we, we went on, uh, and make sure that everybody understands. Here's where I see our family, and the things that we've done. Uh, I want to the, the things that we've done well. I want to hold on to and guard. Mm-hmm. And the things that, that when we may have strayed as a family, uh, we got to cut that out. There's, there's no room for that as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if there's bitterness between, you know, brother or sister or aunt and uncle, you know, whatever it is, like, guys, figure it out. We're family. Cut it out. Let's, you know, forgive and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so important. I think that's something that uh, as a culture we, we neglect and we, we downplay uh, at for grandparents that we don't sure. we don't confide in their wisdom we don't confide in like how their uh, vision in life has changed compared to where we are where zero you know, like you kind of mentioned earlier like we're very narrow focused we have like these blinders on almost kind of by necessity right because we got to you know make sure that again as a father right. you have these natural blinders to make sure that when your baby lives then you have these uh, blinders to make sure that you're teaching them these natural right. virtues then you have blinders on to make sure that you're living a supernatural grace but you know uh, part of it is just like you only have so many resources you know you you right. and you're they like, bu- it builds on each other right your your natural abilities only go so far you can only do so many things in a day right mm-hmm. and children young children especially demand so much mm-hmm. you don't have you don't have time for you often you often don't have time for like broader life reflection, you right. know, uh, just because you're busy. And so he had this unique opportunity to address the family and say, uh, "The tradition, some of the traditions that we do as a family, they uh-huh. are good, and we should continue them." Sure. Yeah. So I think that exactly the the grandfather is like the head liturgist of the family, because they're especially family gatherings, especially family gatherings are a liturgy, and they are. Uh, like take a birthday for example. You sit down. You light candles. Okay, you're lighting candles. But I mean, it's like a birthday party. It's like you do this and this. It's like you light the candles. You sing the song. You blow them out. I mean, it's like you tell me that's not a liturgy. I mean, that's exactly a liturgy. 
you open the presents, you read the card, you, th- you know, it's like you thank, I mean, it's like there is a liturgy to a birthday party. Mm. And there absolutely is. And there is a liturgy to all these family gatherings. They, all of them have a liturgy. And so as the grandfather, you are like the head liturgist of the MC. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's up, it is you, it's up, it's your responsibility. And you see it all the time in other families um, where the, basically the family reunion lasts until grandma and grandpa die. And once they, once they die, the family reunion doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And that's okay. That's a natural, it's a natural thing because, you know, those other families now they're, Getting you know, bigger, giving, bigger, getting bigger. their own, maybe their own family reunion. At right. the, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what's happening in my family, right? Mm-hmm. My, my grandmother's ninety six, mm-hmm. and uh, like, our, we have, there's a lot of us. It's, mm-hmm. it's, anyway, um, but I think oh, another really beautiful part about this stage in fatherhood is that you get to welcome, especially your sons. You know, I think about that, but your daughters too. You get you get to welcome them back as um, equals, right? Um, and that you get the gift of watching them become you, mm-hmm. right? I, I see it happening in myself. I say the dumb things that my I swore I would never, that my dad says, that I swear swore I would never say. Right. I say them all the time, okay? Right. It's like I gave up trying not to say them and, right. do, and do them and tell the, the same dumb jokes. Mm-hmm. And uh, not all of them are dumb, but, you know, like... I, I do all the stuff, all right, and I, I cannot help it. It's right. just, it's you a, become more I'm of becoming, your I'm becoming my father, right. and so it's a, it's really, really great to have that moment. I think where you get to watch your sons become you, because that's what you've been trying to do the whole time. Right. The whole establishing, you're trying to make them become you, mm-hmm. right? That's why it's important that that we establish ourselves at the same time. Right. And if you, I mean, we all want our children to be better than us. So you got to have to be better yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to always be striving for that better yourself mm-hmm. so that your kids have something, that they have a shot at being better than who you are. Uh, but this really, this obviously it is probably the most satisfying stage in fatherhood. Everybody says grandkids are better than real kids. Right. Uh, so, I mean, be, everybody says it. So it must be true. Right. And so I like that's that's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun cuz kids are fun. Cuz it's almost like the fullness of fatherhood. Yeah. So again, so as we kind of conclude this fatherhood cycle, right? So you have this natural protector and provider uh stage that bleeds into this teaching phase of natural virtues where you're trying to make sure that they they understand what's right and wrong mm-hmm. and you get into the establishing phase when they become an age of reason where you're teaching them the moral virtues and you're establishing them to be uh, sons and daughters of Christ and disciples to go out and, and spread the gospel. Then they do this, right? Mm-hmm. And so you start becoming an intercessor for, for praying not only for them, but for the people around them. Uh, they're good friends, they're good communities, uh, they're potential uh, future spouses. And eventually they, you know, if they discern the vocation of marriage, then you become this custodian of tradition, this, uh, uh, you know, fullness of fatherhood, the grandfather. And it's interesting how God the Father, who is the creator of all, allows us as fathers to participate in this creation, uh, to grow his kingdom, and share in the very name that he has, Mm -hmm. his fathers. 
And so as I was reflecting on this, uh, it's kind of a big deal, which is, which is just a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. And so as I was reflecting on this in prayer, I started realizing the parallels of fatherhood to the spiritual life. Right. So you have, uh, the, the preparing for father, you have the natural, the natural phase of protector and provider, the preparing for fatherhood, the infancy of, of your spiritual life, right? Where you have to now decide, I'm no longer going to do certain things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, make prayer the most important part. And you're, you're having to put away some of the selfish things that you want to do for something that's a, a greater good. And so you're entering into this prayer life. Right, I think everybody can decide. Like, if you've you know uh, had an encounter with Christ, you realize like, okay, I I I need to know who Christ truly is. I need to know that Christ Jesus as a person. Uh, How do you do that? Well, you 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 have a prayer life, and you realize, okay, I got to take prayer more seriously, and so you enter into this prayer life. Well, by doing that, you have to say no to other things. Right? Maybe that means uh, no to a little bit more sleep. Maybe that means no to uh, you know a full lunch. Uh, you know, and we're going to, going to bed earlier. You have to. I mean, that's really where the no goes. It's like right. if you're getting up earlier to pray, you got to go to bed earlier, and right. that's where all the fun stuff. That's where the stuff you like. The kids right. are asleep, and right. But you got to say no to it. Right. You got to change your life. So how it's interesting how you go from from this natural phase of 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 the prayer life into this. Uh, teaching stage of uh, you know or, or like as a father where you're starting to teach these these natural virtues well and in the prayer life you're starting to ask for natural virtues right lord please give me you know just patience so that way i you know uh am not an uh, a jerk at work or give me right. these uh specific natural virtues to to overcome things that i'm i'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing in life yeah so when you start your prayer life you have to change your life. You have to reorganize the things that, you know, you used to like to sleep in. You used to do other things, mm-hmm. but you've recognized the good of prayer. And so you're having to, just like when you become a father, all of your routines are changing. You start a, a prayer life. You have to change your routines. And mm-hmm. it's it's a sacrifice, but it's worth it. Then is like you said, you start to teach your children. as, And when you teach your children, you start to see your, a lot of your own faults. The same thing happens when you begin to pray. You, you start to have this prayer life. What What does the Lord do almost right away? He begins to reveal yourself to you. You start to... You, mm. you, I remember when I, I... I remember this. Beginning my prayer life, I thought I was holy. Isn't that hilarious? Right. Like, I thought I was really holy. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't kill anybody. And, uh, you know, like, I wasn't committing mortal sin anymore. And so mm. I thought that meant I was holy. Mm-hmm. You know, because I had, by God's grace, overcome some of these mortal sins that had followed me around throughout my dissolute youth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, I, you know, and I thought, I thought I was holy. And so then I, but I started praying and all of a sudden I'm, that mirror was put up in front of me mm-hmm. and I start to see my own faults. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's the same, just like when you begin to teach your children mm-hmm. and you're teaching them and you realize, Oh, I've got to work on this. Right. And then you start to establish them. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that you start to work on those things and you end up establishing yourself just like in your prayer life. You know, as those faults are revealed to you, what happens? You end up establishing yourself, mm-hmm. which is once again, just like what you're doing in fatherhood. Mm-hmm. You want to keep going? Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're killing no, it. So uh, I was like, yeah, 
uh, yeah, so you're you're establishing, right? So you're establishing the sacramental life. You're establishing, uh-huh. like, living the life of Christ. You know, and uh, what happens then when you start living this life of Christ, whenever you have, you start developing developing these virtues, right? Uh, developing these virtues, you quiet your appetites, right? Your appetites are no longer, like, uh, carrying you to and fro. I'm sorry, what did you say? I was wanting a cookie so much, I, I missed what you said. Right, yeah. So you, you start quieting your appetites uh, to where your appetites aren't, aren't uh, you know, carrying your will to and fro to the Pamela point... Pamela did actually make chocolate chip cookies today. Nice. Yeah, sorry. Um, to, to the point where... <laughs> gosh. <laughs> we still have some work to do. Uh, to the point where you are no longer having to uh, worry about yourself as much, right? Because your, yeah. your will is strong. Like, mm-hmm. you, you've strengthened your will. Your appetites are no longer... Uh, dominating your will, so that way you uh, are, are being able to choose the moral life on you know on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason why you're able to you know, the good of that. And this is the intercessor phase you're talking about, right? right so, now, the, yeah. and the good of that is because you're no longer having to worry about yourself near as much, but you can focus your attention on others. Yeah, right. And this is the intercessory phase, like you like you had mentioned, like to a point where I no longer have to worry about my child as much, but the people around them. Mm-hmm. I no longer have to worry about myself as much in the spiritual life because I'm rooted in a grace-filled life, in, in, you know, in Christ, and I can start praying for other people. Yeah, and not like, and I want to, I'm, I'm going to say that this is where holiness really starts to come in. Not that it hasn't, it, it's come in at every phase, right? Throughout your prayer life, throughout your fatherhood, right? But I think you start to see the fruits of your holiness here because we mentioned that in the intercessor phase of your fatherhood, you're finally able to like look with a wider lens on your life and see what was good, what wasn't good. Okay, that's really important because now you know what to pray for. Mm-hmm. As in, in your own spiritual life, in your own prayer life, it's the same, okay? Mm-hmm. You've examined yourself in its ugliness. Mm-hmm. Um, you've wor- been working on your own problems, and you've seen what has satisfied you, what hasn't satisfied you. And so, um, the, you know, the Bible tells us that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, you know, that the holier you are, the more efficacious your prayers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that? Because you have a deeper relationship with Christ. Your and, will is united with his more. Right. And just like in your own life, the, the people that you have a deeper relationship with, if they come and ask you for something, you're going to do it. It's going to mean a lot more to you than people who you don't know as well. Right. Um, and so it's the same with, with our prayer. The, the more we the deeper our relationship is with Christ. So at this intercessory phase in your prayer, just like intercessory pray, phase in your fatherhood, you can finally now, like, you have a lot to offer mm-hmm. other people in this way because hopefully you have a deep relationship with Christ, with the one who's answering prayer, right? Right. right. And the more you do that, right, the more that you love and will the good of others, and the more you you desire for their good, and you're praying for them, and you're, you know, uh, being able to sacrifice for them, uh, the more you're able to love God, the more you're able to see yourself as Christ truly sees you. Uh Uh, Because uh, you're you're less pointed inward and more more focused outward. And this enters into this custodian of of, uh, tradition or, or this grandfather stage, because it's contemplation. You're entering into this uh, level of contemplation mm-hmm. um, in your spiritual life where you're able to just contemplate the things of uh, 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 of the higher goods, right? You're able to, yeah. to... The things that are the most important 
are of the most importance. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. You know, uh, to where you're able to see things from a very much broader lens, and you're able to say these are the things that are good. Yeah, just like as a grandfather addressing his family and saying these are the things that are good that we must hold fast to. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's I think uh this phase is also characterized by peace. And I think about old old men, you know, and they'll they'll look at parents who are like all worried about it. And you know like I think they kind of sit back in their chair and and chuckle and think to themselves like don't worry. Right. You know what? It's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to be fine. I know that like right now you have a lot of anxiety and you're worried about things and that's I was there too when I was your age. Mm-hmm. Like and, but now that you have like so much life experience and you look back on it and you've seen so many people, it's because it's not just you and your kids, but your friends and their families right. and all of the families that you've known your whole life and you've watched them all turn out pretty good. You know, not to say that you shouldn't be worried and you shouldn't like mm-hmm. put care and and you know like yourself into it, but you know you have like a peace when you can kind of look. It's like you know what. You're doing the right things, you know. You're pursuing virtue, like, and you can have that trust in God because you know that mm-hmm. He's the one who brings all good things, you know, to their proper end. Um, but I, I think the point here in the the analogy that you, you've so aptly drawn is that, and here's I think like the really important one is that just like when you're a grandfather and you see your sons become you, this is exactly the father's joy when he looks at you, right? That through this prayer life where you, you know, changed, you amended your, your ways, changed your habits to begin to pray. You looked at yourself through the eyes, you begin through the eyes of, of God, right? As he mm-hmm. revealed your true self to you, a little bit of it. I mean, I'm saying your whole true self, but you know, you began to see some of your flaws and work on them and establish good traditions in yourself mm-hmm. and then uh, achieve some level of holiness. You're becoming more like the Father, Mm-hmm. Just like we watch our sons become more like us, mm-hmm. um, he watches us become more like him. You know, right. and so there really is, and that's that's I think the beautiful thing about it is like you realize it's not an analogy. Like prayer, your prayer life is fatherhood; it's his fatherhood in you. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, and we're like doing this natural fatherhood here with our own children, and he's he's doing a real fatherhood in us through our prayer life. You know, and that's the very that's the very beautiful thing, and it's actually not an analogy. It's just it's just a it's the same thing at a higher level, a higher plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that it's such a gift that uh, our Father, who yearns to be in communion with us, con- you know, and continually avails Himself to us to, for us to turn back to Him in every way while we're here on earth, the short time that we're here on earth, he models everything to point back towards him. Mm-hmm. Right? So he gives us this vocation so that we can learn to not to, to be able to just uh, have a self-reflection mm-hmm. of him. Right. Yeah, so the word vocation comes from the Latin vocare, which means to call. Mm-hmm. So it's a summoning, Right. He, he gives us this vocation of marriage and, and through marriage, fatherhood. And that's his way of beckoning us towards him, right? He calls us. Right. And it, it happens naturally and supernaturally at the same time, right? Yeah. Because yeah. to do fatherhood well, you have to have a prayer life. And so I just think but you, don't, you don't see it. You don't I, see it. Right. And it. 
you know, it's it is like the 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 frog in water, or you know, whatever. Like at, at some point, you don't realize the change when it happens in you, and because he brings it about in a subtle, natural way. But then one day, like he'll give you a grace periodically throughout your life to just like realize I have changed. Mm-hmm. I have changed so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it happened. I, I, I didn't realize it at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad because, I, you know, I might have been prideful about it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But uh, it, it's, it, I, I love those moments in my own life because they, 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 they bring about a lot of gratitude in me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just very thankful for those moments and for, then obviously for the work of Christ in my life. Uh, but it's it's they're so profound makes me it makes those moments i make me really fall in love with him because you realize he's he's the he's one doing do, this he's doing it to me because he loves you so right, much right exactly exactly yeah um and, and i'll just this last story i'll close with um at least on my end i, I had a friend over for, over for dinner recently and we were talking about because we're finally at this age where we can say we've been adults long enough where we can say like, oh yeah, ten years ago I was I was like this, mm-hmm. and we were both talking about how much we've changed in the last like ten years or so, and it was a lot. Both of us were saying hey, we've changed a lot in the last ten years, and then um, I made the comment that's like, yeah, I wonder what I'm going to be like in ten more years. I'll probably be a lot different then too. You know, I'll mm-hmm. probably have continued. I'll, I'll probably look back on myself now and think like, oh man, I'm a lot different now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does, it just makes me wonder, well, what about 10 years after that? It's like, man, I feel like I'm going to have a lot to offer the world. I'm going to have a lot to offer in 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it Certainly, if I keep changing at the same rate, and maybe I won't, I don't know. But, and then, then it just made me think like, wow, I've, there's a lot of people I know who are 20 years older than me. Mm-hmm. They also probably have a lot to offer, you know, and so like just think about the people in our, in your life. Uh, don't sell them short, you know, and just think about how much you have changed in the last 10 years. And, and you know, like that applies to them, too, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, we, we should and you made the point earlier, like wisdom and old age, uh, such a treasure. Mm hmm. Um, and we just, as a culture, are, we, I, f- I fear that we're losing it so much. Um, one of the reasons I think is because we don't have multi-generational households anymore. Um, you know, it used to be that the grandparents would live with the, with the children um, raise, and help them raise the grandchildren. Um, and, you know, I think that when I'm a grand, grandparent, I, I probably won't want to do that. You know, um, God willing, I'll be well off enough where I, I have my own house, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't have to live with my kids and bother them or whatever. But is it really bothering them, you know, or was it a huge gift? You know, it, it, I think it was It was a huge gift that, um, like many gifts, came with trials, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and brought about extra work. But the multi-generational household was such a blessing to the family. To the children who got to who got to live and be, help you know hear the stories of their grandparents more That's often right. you yeah. know to the grandparents who had someone to take care of them as they as they did age mm-hmm. um, but they didn't feel useless like mm-hmm. I think a lot of old people sitting in nursing homes who have no purpose 
that's how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just my two cents. Good, yeah. great article. I can't wait to see it come out. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't finished it. Yet, I know. So. I can't wait. I w- can't wait for you to finish it. I'm about eighteen hundred words out of the twenty five hundred. Okay, so I'm, I'm pretty close. Yeah. So, anyway, I th- I just think it's beautiful. Like I I just think the the, the parallels of fatherhood and the spiritual you, life. So it just it like, did you get inspired from something or? Well, I mean, we've talked about a lot of this before, right? Yeah. And so, um, a lot of it came from adoration. Like a lot of it, like mm-hmm. I was just like really thinking about, uh, the parallels of fatherhood, and like like I was thinking about like, okay, what are the, what's the the cycle of fatherhood, like you know the the life cycle of fatherhood, and then also like the growth of spiritual life. I'm all I'm, I'm constantly thinking in in adoration, especially like uh, assessing like. Where where am I in my spiritual life? Where do I like? Where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Like, where do I need to cling to? What do I need to let go of? Yeah. Um. And then it just hit me, just in adoration, like the parallel of the life cycle of of fatherhood and the life cycle of a spiritual life. Nice. So. I don't know. I don't know if somebody else has written about this or not, but who cares? Yeah, that's what I'm. Gonna You're do. not copying them, so it's not plagiarizing, right? So. All right, man. Cool. Freco. Frick. Fricko. Fricko. 